Hello and welcome to an, uh, an emergency episode of the A Foot in the Box podcast. My name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And uh, if you can't tell by our, our voices, this is not our normal setup. Paul is phoning in to, to our studios tonight. Uh, he's watching his son. Is that correct, Paul? Uh, yeah, I just put him down about half hour ago. And uh, you're not willing to leave him alone yet? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. I, so I um, find it interesting you use the word emergency as opposed to, like, a breaking news podcast. Is that because you aren't a fan of the oldest Chapman trade? Well, we'll, uh, we'll get into that, but um, I would imagine most people that listen to this podcast probably follow me on Twitter as well. Maybe not. They would already know that I'm not a fan of it. Uh, emergency podcast because I feel like the two biggest baseball stories in quite some time, um, maybe the, even the whole season, uh, happened within, what, 48 hours of each other this past weekend. So I figured, you know, it's a, we're a baseball podcast that... Uh, covers the White Sox and Cubs, among other things. So I thought we uh, we had to do it. Probably neither one of us is real excited to talk about uh, their respective stories. But uh, which which one yeah. which one do you want to start with? Uh, well, start with Chapman. It's more um, happened more recently. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions. So do you maybe just want to give a brief background into what the Chapman, like what's so controversial about it? I've had a few people ask me that today. Sure. Um, so I, I guess I can, I can jump in. Feel free to tell in where I'm missing stuff. I know sure. you've read up, read up on this a lot more than I have. And I actually even remember you in the off season talking about was it ESPN that did a ESPN magazine did a feature on Chapman. Yeah, back in 2014. Yeah, they uh, they did a feature on him, and you just came away from that um, feature thinking, "Wow, this guy's pretty pretty strange." Actually, um, I just read that um, about a half hour ago. We're recording this on Monday night, by the way. Crossed on Cup is going on. Um, didn't mention that. Anyway, I read that like a half hour ago, and um, we'll link to it in the podcast episode page. But essentially, they just talk about Chapman's day to day life in the off season. And he lives in this huge mansion. And uh, on this particular day, Chapman woke up around 4 p.m., came downstairs. His mom made him breakfast, uh, carried it out to him on the in his huge like pool um, waterfall area in his backyard. And he just smokes cigarettes and lays around um, and uh, misses his time in Cuba. So that was that story. I'm sure he's changed a lot since then. It was you know almost three years ago. But uh, yeah, that was. That was the context, and then, of course, uh, you know, the bigger incident happened last October. Yeah, last October, um, it's reported that he choked his girlfriend, and they got in an argument. Um, he choked her, and then he fired eight rounds uh, in his garage, um, like not not at her or anything, um, but still fired eight rounds of a weapon. Um, because of the the argument with his girlfriend, um, and he admits he admits that, he admits to that. Yeah, uh, he denied the choking. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yep. Um, he's back with that girlfriend. Is that is that also accurate? Uh, yeah, and they have a child together. Um, so because of that, he was 
um, banned for 30 games. At the time, he was playing for the Reds, or he was um, under the control of the Reds, and there was actually a trade that was in the works for Chapman to go to the Dodgers. Um, that fell through after um, uh, the application <coughs> happened, or after the Major League Baseball ban happened, and then um, uh, he was traded to the Yankees shortly, shortly thereafter, and the Yankees knew when they traded for him that he was going to be out for the first month of the season. So he set out the first 30 games of this year and then has been his normal dominant self on the field uh, since the end of April. And um, I at least haven't heard of any news um, of him with the Yankees, you know, stirring up, stirring up any problems or being a bad teammate. So pretty, pretty much business as usual. Um, but still, fans are rightfully um, angry and upset. Um, about what he did last offseason. So mm-hmm. uh, does that pretty well encapsulate um, the state of affairs? Yeah, um, I guess to dive deeper into the, the incident last October, Chapman admits there was an argument, um, admits he fired the, the gun eight times, um, uh, disagrees that he hurt his girlfriend at all, and then initially she called the nine one one to report um, kind of Chapman going crazy and choking her, but um, no charges were ever pressed. It was down in Florida, I think. Um, no charges were pressed. Uh, there was a lot of uh, contradictory statements, and there was no no um, witnesses. Um, you know, the girlfriend kind of retracted some stuff later. So I think most people that look into it, they would definitely, if they had to say what happened, they would definitely say that Chapman intimidated his girlfriend both physically and, um, you know, mentally, emotionally with, uh, with the gun firing the gun. Um, one, uh, one article that I found, um, from the New York times by Billy Witts. And again, we'll link to this in the podcast episode page. It's from May 7th. So when Chapman, uh, is getting ready to make his return to the Yankees, um, and it looks into, uh, how Chapman had responded to that point. Um, not very, uh, remorseful. He says, um, this is Chapman speaking. I've never hurt anybody. Never in my life. He told reporters in February, that's not my character or who I am. After he agreed to a 30 game suspension, he issued a statement that said he did not in any way harm his girlfriend, but he should have exercised better judgment with respect to my actions. Uh, that statement was issued two months ago. Asked Tuesday if the suspension had given him time to reflect on what happened and consider changes to his behavior. Chapman shook his head. I didn't do anything, he said. People are thinking that it's something serious. I have not put my hands on anyone. Didn't put anyone in danger. Since I didn't do anything like that, I'm not thinking about it. If I didn't do anything, why should I think about it? That is in the past. Now I'm thinking about more important things, my family, kids, and my career. Asked if his girlfriend's calling 911 last October while hiding in the bushes because she was terrified was a problem. Chapman said, It was just an argument with your partner that everyone has. I've even argued with my mother. When you are not in agreement with someone, we Latin people are loud when we argue. So that was from May. Um, and so a lot of people, uh, rightfully, are angry with that back then and, and still today because he's, um, you know, he's not really confessing to anything. He did issue a statement today when the trade was official that uh, was more remorseful but didn't um, explicitly apologize for any physical 
damage. Uh, yeah, so that that article is frustrating, um, and uh, just a lot of my my personal opinions. I've uh, been pretty uh, disappointed in the Cubs' decision to get Chapman when I realized it could happen last night uh, after the Cubs game. Realized it was a strong possibility because uh, uh, Torres, the shortstop that got traded to the Yankees, um, he got pulled from the game. Uh, just got almost sick to my stomach because I knew it was probably going to happen. Um, my feeling is that the Cubs have the best record in baseball right now, and the playoffs are a crapshoot. Certainly Chapman's uh, abilities make the Cubs uh, more likely to win the World Series, but um, I don't think it's strong enough to take this sort of risk and compromise the whole organization's integrity to to win. Um, and so, you know, with such a talented team, uh, I would have much rather uh, just, you know, rolled as is into the playoffs rather than doing this and I feel like it's an endorsement of Chapman's behavior and it's um it's not good. Yeah, I was reading um just a little bit online about it and um it is it is interesting in that you know, the numbers of people who experience domestic violence, I think it's uh, I read where it's one in four for adult women and one in seven in adult men have been a victim of domestic violence. And so it's not a small chunk of people that we're talking about. You know, it's 25% of fans tuning into a game uh, have experienced that at some point. And so just the, the thought that they're having to deal with that while watching their favorite team play is is a huge bummer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone uh, disagrees uh, with what you just said, that, like, Adding Chapman makes them more likely to win the World Series, but it seems like the sort of the distinction people are making is, you know, is it win at all costs or is it try to win but sort of enjoy the ride along the way? Yep, and uh, one article that I really enjoyed reading helped me process through this whole thing is from theathletic.com, a uh, online newspaper site type thing. Um, cover Chicago sports and the writer I'm probably mispronouncing it is Lauren uh, Comitor C-O-M-I-T-O-R Comitor Comitor anyway she wrote a great article again you should go read it and again I'll just read from this Uh, she says we can make certain decisions in life about who we surround ourselves with but when it comes to sports there isn't much we control as as outsiders Everyone has their favorite team, their favorite players, and their least favorite players, but fans are always going to watch. And too often, we're forced to watch with blinders on, ignoring the humans wearing those uniforms and what they do off the field, because we're told that shouldn't matter. It's a nearly impossible task, but one that's become too much of a reflex as as we see athletes with histories of domestic violence be cheered back onto the field. The Cubs made a choice for their fans Monday, one that will stick with them no matter what the outcome of, of the World Series quest. And even if it were not part of my job, I would not stop watching the Cubs. But that pit in my stomach will still be there the first time I watch Chapman pitch in a Cubs uniform. It'll be there when he records his first save and his second and his third. And it'll be there if Chapman ever closes out a World Series for the Cubs. I won't be sick from nerves, but from the thought that someone capable of such violence could somehow bring such joy to millions of people, and how much sweeter it would have been to do it without him. 
so that last line, um, and how much sweeter it would have been to do it without him, uh, really haunts me, um, to think that the Cubs, uh, front office cheated, you know, millions of fans that have waited so long for a world series, myself included, um, to the point where I almost, uh, don't want them to win the world series this year. Um, I haven't, you know, come to that firm conclusion, but, um, Tonight, watching the Cubs game, I was just I was rooting for them less because of this whole thing. Wow! Yeah, I didn't realize that had created that big of an impact for you. Is it um, like the the fact that another human being was involved, like that there was a victim, or would it be the same as if they traded for, say, someone who had used steroids, like a to someone who had cheated? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of both. Um, if it just feels like, uh, they've compromised their integrity to win. Uh, Theo has always talked about integrity as such a key, uh, component or talked about how character is such a key component, uh, to the franchise with guys like Bryant and Schwarber and Russell and Rizzo and all these guys that, um, you know, seem to care about the right things and carry themselves the right way. Uh, it just seems, uh, this seems to be... <laughs> completely contradictory to that. Um, they seem to be really hypocritical to be honest. And, um, I don't want to root for Chapman. Um, and he's going to play such a huge part of the team, um, down the stretch. And so as Kevin, our brother said in a text, uh, you know, the best case is that he would get hurt and be out for the season. Um, honestly, that would make me pretty happy. Um, either that or as you know, a really, heartfelt, emotional apology. I think those are the two things that could um, change my my view. Yeah, do you think uh, the fans' reaction was, like, do you think it's surprising to uh, Jed and Theo? Or do you think they anticipated that and still, um, still were going to win at all costs? I don't know. That's a good question. I would imagine they're a little surprised um, if they're even checking to see um, I was surprised, honestly, at um, my own personal reaction, and it made me think that I'm a little bit uh, hypocritical because I was uh, enjoying watching Chapman with the Yankees, you know, throwing so hard. I've tweeted stuff about how fast he's thrown this year, um, and I didn't think about what it would be like to actually root for him on your own team. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I don't know, I, f- I feel like um, I was hypocritical Previously, and I, I don't know what Jed and Theo think of the fans' reaction. Um, one, one thought that I had, a question that hasn't been asked of Theo, is uh, about his contract situation. I have this <clears throat> theory that uh, once Theo wins a World Series with the Cubs, he's going to turn it over to uh, Jed Hoyer and then go do something else. And his contract is up at the end of this year, and he hasn't signed an extension, and there's been no real talk recently of that. And so part of me thinks that um, no one's going to impress him on this contract extension until after the season. So if the Cubs win the World Series, then he can he can leave. Um, so part of me thinks that might have clouded his his view and made his uh, mindset really short-sighted. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, I think it, the, from an outsider's perspective, the saddest thing is that it adds complexity to what was one of like the cleanest, uh, you know, most romantic baseball stories we've had in a long time. 
um, you know, the Cubs, the kind of the laughable losers who have um, been with that World Series for a century, have this just uh, awesome group of uh, young players that are so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, they're the best team in baseball, got off to an awesome start, and they were like the story that everyone was talking about. And now you, they are the story because they've added the guy who just millions of baseball fans don't like. So it just it adds a tinge of um, complexity and uh, just weirdness to what was a you know just a great story before. Yeah, that's that's well said. Um, one, I guess, one last thing I had to say on it is Theo and Jed made. Um, uh, I guess the, Theo today in his uh, little mini press conference said that a big part of uh, them agreeing to the deal was that they got to speak with Chapman uh, on the phone, uh, both Theo Epstein and uh, Tom Ricketts, the owner. And they said that without that phone conversation and without Chapman responding uh, correctly uh, to questions they asked, uh, the deal wouldn't have went through. And, uh, you know, initially that made me feel pretty good. It's like, oh, yeah, they, you know, they got what they wanted from him. He's remorseful. Uh, You know, he said all the right things. But then I was thinking about the whole trade and how the players are agreed to. And this phone conversation didn't happen until all that was figured out. And I really don't think that uh, everything hinged on that phone call. I think it was kind of a a thing they had to check off, but I don't think they were willing to nix the whole trade, you know, hours and days of their their jobs that they had done before the trade went through. Uh, I don't think they were willing to nix that if Chapman wasn't as remorseful as they wanted. So I don't even know if he was. Um, They said he was on the phone call, but... No one will ever really know. Yeah, it's also hard to. I mean, it's not like it was in person or anything. It's pretty hard to uh, determine what someone's going to do or say in the future based on a 10, 15 minute phone call. So. Yep. Definitely. All right. Um, do you have any other uh, Chapman thoughts? Well, I guess the only other thing, and we really haven't talked about it. Uh, I just thought they maybe they rushed it a bit. I thought they could have waited um, a couple more days um, and maybe not given up as much. Um, Joe Sheehan wrote in his newsletter um, that just McKinney, Warren, and Crawford would have been a, like a decent haul for for Chapman, um, given that uh, you know, he really didn't give up a ton of talent to get him from the Reds. Yeah. They gave up, you know, a large quantity of players, but none of them project to be all stars. Um, but to give up Torres I just thought was for, you know, maybe twenty twenty five innings of Chapman this year was was a lot. And maybe they if they would have waited a few more days, they could have um, gotten the Yankees to, to balk. But maybe That's not. What, maybe the maybe what? the Nationals were offering a you know a ton of great pieces as well. Well, that's what got me thinking about this contract situation and the being short-sighted. Do you think there's anything to that? Um, hmm, what do you mean? Like, do you think there's uh, a possibility that Theo, if he wins the World Series, is going after this year, and that him wanting to to do it that way is clouding his judgment? Maybe a bit. 
I mean, it's just so hard to tell not being around the, like around him. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely could. I, I also think, you know, he, I read an article where he has sort of a similar perspective to what Billy Bean did with the A's back when, um, they gave up Addison Russell and McKinney for Samarja. Yeah. Where it's like, if not, if not now, like when, like when are we going to go all in? Like, this is the year. And, um, but that worked out horrible you know, for the A's. Torres, um, you know, he really didn't have a future if Addison, uh, if Addison Russell and, um, Bias stay healthy. So I can maybe, I can maybe see that, but, um, I just thought they rushed it. You know, normally a trade like this would happen, um, like five days from now, six days from now, as opposed to a week before the deadline. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's the Chapman news, uh, sobering for sure as a Cubs fan. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll just see how it plays out. Um, and you'll hear it every week on the podcast. Uh, Paul, uh, I'll set up the, the sale story. Do you have some analysis? Yes. Yes. I have much analysis. <laughs> okay. I heard, uh, I heard Hawk give his take on the broadcast tonight. Uh, really? I, I wasn't watching the Sox broadcast, but, uh, I'd be interested to hear what he had to say. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess to set up the whole thing, um, for those that haven't heard, which is probably none of you, uh, Chris Sale um, has been rumored uh, in the last week or so to be in um, trade discussions. The White Sox are open to trading him, and it still was seen as a pretty big long shot. And Paul and I were actually uh, on vacation together this past week. That's why there's no podcast, or wasn't going to be a podcast. And uh, mm-hmm. we were eating... Uh, dinner or waiting to eat dinner on Saturday night when we, I saw on my phone on Twitter that Sale had been pulled from the game. So everyone freaked out and thought, oh, he's for sure getting uh, traded. That's why he's getting pulled. Uh, but then we saw that he was getting, or that he was sick. He's getting sent home because he was ill. So everyone kind of, you know, calmed down after that. But then, uh, probably just minutes later, uh, people said that wasn't true, that he got sent home uh, due to a clubhouse incident that was not physical in nature. Um, but was uh, was a serious thing, but also a silly thing. And so no one really knew anything for a while, and then probably a couple of hours after that, it was reported that Sale did not want to wear the throwback uniforms that the White Sox uh, had been promoting and that they were supposed to wear that night. And so uh, when all the other players were at batting practice, he found uh, some sort of sharp object. Hasn't been determined if it was scissors or a knife, um, and he used that sharp object and cut up a bunch of the throwback uniforms so that the team couldn't wear them. And then uh, some front office member confronted him, sent him home, uh, and uh, the White Sox uh, would play that night with wearing uh, not those throwbacks, but another throwback jersey. And um, yeah, the game ended up getting postponed to the next day. White Sox actually won both games on Sunday. Uh, and then Sale was announced to have a five-game suspension. He's going to pitch Thursday against the Cubs. Uh, so I think that about wraps it up. Uh, still a chance he gets traded. Um, a lot of people say that the incident has no impact on his trade value. Um, Paul, what is your your take on all of it? Yeah, I mean, it's the weirdest sports story I can remember. I mean, I think it, it kind of rivals the flight gate in terms of just, like, absurdity. Um, that, you know, even a non-baseball fan, like, um, my wife, like, 
she's just stunned that this is happening. Like it just it sounds like Little League, and I I certainly don't um, side with Sale, but I do think it speaks to the dysfunction within the organization that um, that he doesn't have anyone uh, that he trusts or likes or that he wants to talk to about it. So he I mean he shows up at the park, sees that they're wearing these uniforms, and his initial reaction is to just throw a tantrum. Obviously, some of that's on sale, but it also is, you know, you think of that situation happening with the Cubs, there's a Joe Madden there, or, you know, there's a general manager who's um, somewhat favorable to the players. Like, there's just someone that um, your ace can talk to that he trusts. But with the Sox, you know, he's had, he had a run-in with, Kenny Williams, before the season started, obviously he's not going to go there. Uh, he got into it with Robin Ventura, the manager, back in 2014 in the dugout. Um, you know, he's never really had any major blocks with Rakan, but, you know, since that there's a real strong bond there. So to me, it speaks to dysfunction throughout the organization. Um, and then obviously it's just, I mean, it's silly that it would come to cutting up uniforms to not wear them. Apparently it was the collar that he didn't like. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in his in his defense, if people haven't seen the uniform, they should Google it. Uh, it's, what, 1976? Is that the yeah. Uniform? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty ridiculous throwback. It's not like your typical uh, jersey. Yeah. It's, uh, they didn't, you know, they're supposed to wear it untucked, and it's got this weird collar. Yeah, it's almost more like a rugby shirt. Um. Than a, than a uniform, they are they are ridiculous. But again, it's you know, uh, if you're saying like you know, just either talk to someone for in a rational way, or kind of suck it up, wear it, and then talk with Rakan or Ventura afterwards and say, hey, in the future, uh, I'd like to be able to pick which jersey we're going to wear for my start. Um, or, bef- really or before me. that, I mean, it was it was planned since Soxfest in the off season. He could just say, hey, I don't want to pitch that day. Right, yeah. I mean, I think chances are that he just didn't, he wasn't aware of, like, the promotion going on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you that, um, or I agree with people that you referenced saying that it doesn't really hurt his trade value. And I thought Dave Cameron of Fangraphs, he wrote a really, really good article about that because, you know, when we think about the trade deadline, oftentimes we think that the, the price for a player is set by um, the seller. But really, it's set by the buyers. So, you know, if a, if a team calls now and thinks, oh, we can get sale at a discount, we can give up three prospects instead of four, all the White Sox have to do is say, you know, we have, if it's, if it's the Dodgers calling, all we have to do is say, oh, actually, the Red Sox just offered X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's not, you know, they're not, it's not the White Sox that are setting the price, it's the, um, the teams that are interested in him, which is going to be most of baseball because he's so good and he's so cheap uh, in terms of his contract. So I thought that was a really good point. And, and if anything, in a weird way, it almost helps the White Sox uh, in trade discussions because uh, now the, the fans aren't going to be upset. You know, like um, I was talking to our dad about it afterwards. Explaining it to him was um, a treat in and of itself. Um, <laughs> Or explaining it to anyone is a treat because it's so ridiculous. But you know, he wanted to gone immediately, and I get that. You know, I'm probably not as upset about it, but most 
Sox fans, I'm sure, would understand if they traded him. So if anything, I, I feel like it almost helps management because they don't really have a PR issue to deal with anymore. Sales ahead, and if we can get a um, a good number of prospects back, then I think most fans would be okay with it. Two questions. One, uh, you definitely think the sale going off like this was affected by the trade rumors, right? Uh, yes. He's, uh, him and Han have both said, or if Han speaking on behalf of Sale, Sale hasn't, still hasn't talked to the media, said that it didn't have anything to do with the trade discussions, but I don't see any way that it, it didn't have something to do with them. Yep, and then second question is that the Chapman trade definitely helps the White Sox, right? Like if if this is what one reliever, probably the best reliever in baseball is worth, uh, you know, just two months of him, the best starter in baseball, or one of the best starters, I mean, I can't even imagine the package that you'd have to get in return. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I guess that's where part of me wonders, you know, I, sh- I should give Jed and Theo the benefit that they are probably the best kingdom of uh, general manager and president in baseball, and they're super intelligent, way smarter than I am. But I just wonder if that was really the market for Chapman. I just wonder if you can make the assumption that other teams were willing to give that up um, just because the Cubs were. You know, I'd, I would rather give up Schwarber for Andrew Miller if that's what was um, on the table. So. Well, you would have rather given him Schwarber for Miller than give up Torres and McKinney for. I mean, you can't take away the non non baseball stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, but I definitely. I mean, if it, if that was the true market value of Chapman, then yeah, definitely stick very highly of what you could get back for sale. Um, but with uh, with the White Sox currently uh, beating the Cubs, they're on the verge of a three game winning streak, and I'm thinking. <laughs> They're in playoff contention all over again. Yeah, time to buy. Maybe we could we could flip Chapman to the White Sox for sale. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm a Yankees fan, I'm just elated tonight. That's oh yeah, a, a great return to get for a guy they probably didn't like that much. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, I don't really have anything else. Oh, I guess uh, Hawks feeling on the uh, the sale incident. He uh, he said. To start off, that there was um, the only bigger Chris Sale fans were Chris Sale's family, so he's just a huge Chris Sale fan, and uh, he thinks that every athlete snaps at some point, and so this was Chris Sale snapping, and um, that they shouldn't shouldn't trade him, and that it didn't affect his uh, trade value at all. But he, I, I was impressed he was open to trading Sale because he should be open to trading anyone which I feel like mm-hmm. is a position that uh, I agree with, but I don't feel like uh, everyone has. Huh, surprising irrational words from Hawk. Yeah, I was, I was disappointed. He kind of prefaced it with, you know, Stevie, everyone's asking me about this Chris Sale thing, uh, and uh, I'm going to tell you what I think. But then he didn't, didn't have a ton to say. What's weird is that he's even doing the game tonight. I know, he yeah. kind of picks and chooses what games he wants. All right. Well, you got anything else, Paul? Uh, no. Uh, Prince Fielder's having neck surgery. I guess that's one other thing. That's probably a, a plus for the Rangers. 
Yeah, he, I feel like he had just started to come out of his first half funk. But yeah, probably not a huge loss. Yep. All right. Well, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll tweet things about all of this. And uh, trade deadline's coming up, so we'll have a lot to talk about on the next podcast. Um, more uh, more trades, like today's Cubs-Yankees deal. Um, but yeah, follow us, footinthebox.com, footinthebox on Twitter. Send us emails, footinthebox at gmail.com. And I think that about does it. Alrighty, folks, remember to keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you next week.